Some of you may wonder if I made a mistake this morning. Again, some of you may wonder if I made a mistake. I didn't read from John. I read from, from Matthew. And after all, this is Reformation Sunday, the day we remember, the day we celebrate the rediscovery of the gospel that had sort of been buried by the medieval papacy. And here we have, instead of a passage about grace and faith and the gospel, instead we have something about the law and love. Well, here's the thing. If we're going to be serious about God's word, then we've got to engage with the law and with love. And the reality is if we're going to talk about faith, grace, and the gospel, then the law and love aren't, aren't ever far, far behind. Jesus today is talking about the law because he's asked a question. And he does something unusual for Jesus. Normally when Jesus is asked a question, he sort of does that annoying teacher thing where he says, the question you really wanted to ask me was this. But he doesn't. He actually deems this question worthy of a straight-up answer. And he says, okay, the greatest of the commandment, and here he digs deep into the Old Testament and, and their Jewish faith, and he says, is to love the Lord your God with everything you've got, with your heart, with your mind, with your soul. Love the Lord your God. But then he says there's something else, though. There's another commandment that's just like it, and that is the command to love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus puts these two commandments together, loving God and loving your neighbor. They're not separate. And over time, they, they had been sort of pulled apart. And, and by the, the Middle Ages, loving God was about doing churchy things, like going to church on certain Sundays, maybe wearing red once a year, or giving a certain amount, or saying certain prayers, or lighting certain candles, or going on a pilgrimage, or even the gloriest of glorious to become a priest or a nun, to go to a monastery or a cloister. And this is what Luther did. He went off and he sought to, to love God in this way and to earn God's favor, but it didn't work. But along the way, he, he realized and he rediscovered what Jesus was saying today, that, that loving God is about loving your neighbor. You cannot love God and not love your neighbor. They're so intertwined. In fact, loving God in the terms of doing churchy stuff may even be easier. Because then you can count. You can count how many times you prayed. How many times you went to worship, how much money you gave, how many pilgrimages you went on, and so forth. But loving your neighbor gets more complex. It's harder to figure out sometimes. Today we have two confirmations. And I'm really excited. We've been journeying together, these two adults. And one of the things that I want everybody to notice is that when we have a baptism and parents come up and they make promises around the baby or the child, those promises generally are churchy things. To take your child to church, to teach them the Lord's Prayer, which the kids are going to, to show us today. And that's because we want to give them that foundation of grace and faith and love in the law. But when somebody's confirmed, they're going to make promises, and those promises have to do with how you, Kristen, and Derek will live on Monday through Saturday. Again, now that you're being confirmed and saying yes to your baptisms, it's about how you live that out, the days of your, your life. Again, to love God is finally to love 
your neighbor. And this was one of those Reformation insights. Okay, so now that we've got it all settled, all I've got to do now to love God is to love my neighbor, right? Really easy. Maybe not. Maybe not, right? It's not that easy to love our neighbor. Our neighbors in our family, our neighbors down the road, our neighbors across the track, our neighbors even in other places in other countries. Uh, this week, I was talking to a teacher, and this whole month we're, we're celebrating the vocation of teaching as part of the whole year of celebrating these, these callings, these ways in which God calls us to, to live out our faith and to serve our neighbor. And uh, this teacher, like all teachers, talked about their joy of serving and helping students. But they acknowledged that, well, all of the, the hoops they have to jump through, and then the way that there's more testing today, and then the protocols during COVID, and the hyper-politicalization of everything educational, that there was a way in which some of their joy had really been sapped from them. And, and I think this isn't just unique for teaching. This is for so many of us. We enter into a profession and we have a sense that this is a way we can use our gifts and our talents to help other people. This is a way we can love and serve our neighbor following Jesus. But then over time, there's a, a grind that happens. And what was once sort of a passion-filled calling becomes a job, becomes a paycheck that becomes a burden and weighs on us. And we've experienced that where the, the love we had seems to come short. It seems to run dry. And we feel like we run up against a wall. Because again, loving your neighbor isn't, isn't always easy. This week I was talking to somebody in the church and this person, like a lot of people, as they left college, had there were a couple different friends, and they all kind of raised their kids together, went through their professional milestones together. Well, now it turns out that one of the couples there is going through a breakup. Looks like they're headed for a divorce. And, and my friend was just lamenting how many then of the relationships were going to change how he wanted to help the, the children in this relationship, but, but wasn't sure what he could do. Again, one of the friends wasn't taking a phone call, and the other, again, wasn't sure how he could help this person. I think we've, we've been there in those situations, in our friends, in our family, where the, the love runs short, and we, we desperately wish that we could help other people reconcile. Or we've tried our best to, to make it work, to build the bridge, and it just doesn't seem to work. And it's like we're, we're talking to somebody else, and the voice coming out of their mouth, we just don't even know who it is anymore. And again, the, the love runs short, and we feel like we're just running into a wall. Because again, loving your neighbor isn't always easy. I spoke to a man this week actually a woman as well. I spoke to two different people, and they both had a similar story. They, were, they both were loving their neighbor in their spouse, and they loved their neighbor, their spouse, till the end. And they were faithful. They were faithful even in spite of illness that debilitated their loved one. And then they witnessed the death of their loved one, and now it's been a few years. And for both of them, there's a profound emptiness there's a real sense of sorrow and grief that lingers. It turns out that no matter how much we love the people in our lives, we cannot bring them back from the dead. 
and the power of our love run short and we feel like we just run into a wall because loving your neighbor isn't always easy. And this week we finally got a break from the terror in the Gaza and Hamas in Israel because there was a, another horrible story that was across our screens and that was in this, this small city in, in Maine as a, as a gunman ran amok. And we were all drawn in, but we were also sort of once again crippled by a scene in front of us of, of violence. It's as if our society is just on rewind and repeat, rewind and repeat. And we're just heartbroken and we just cry out, people, we've known about this command for 3,000 years. Love your neighbor. Love God. What's so hard? And we just discover in the human story in our hearts that there's just this this gap and we realize that the love runs short and we feel like we're running up against a wall because it turns out that loving your neighbor isn't that easy see in all of these cases whether it's the struggle against our own heart or what's in the world again we we realize we feel like we're just running up against a wall but Jesus, Jesus knew this is how this would play itself out. Jesus has observed the, the human history. He indeed became one of us. Jesus knew what, what was going to happen. And so Jesus at first seems to, to do something that makes no sense here. Because the conversation is about the law and about love. And then Jesus says, okay, well, let me ask you the question you should have been thinking about. And he says, who's, who's a... What, the, the Messiah. Tell me about the Messiah and, and whose son is he going to be? And you're kind of scratching your head like, where did this question come from, Jesus? But what Jesus is doing here is he's saying to them, we're all hoping for a Messiah. We're all hoping that there's going to be one person who will finally come, the prophesied, awaited chosen one, who will come and who will be the Savior. He will be the one who will bring about finally a peace that passes understanding. He will bring about a reign of justice. He will let and he will usher in an era in which love finally wins. And we're all hungry for it. They were hungry for it 2,000 years ago. And we're hungry for it today still. And so they, we want this person to come. And Jesus says, okay, this one we've been waiting for, this Messiah, tell me, is he of human origin? Is he the descendant of a human? And they say, well, yeah, we know that the Messiah is going to be an ancestor of David. And Jesus starts shaking his head and says, no. No, there's more than that. You guys are missing, you guys are missing what's going on here. And, and then Jesus quotes the psalm and he says, look, the Messiah, the one we've been waiting for, the one who is to come is the one who already was. Jesus says the Messiah isn't of human origin. The Messiah is going to come from above. The Messiah is of God. What Jesus here is claiming, he's letting us know, is that, you see, we, as humans, we have this, this problem, and that problem is that we don't have enough love. We don't have enough love in, in our hearts for other people. We don't have enough love to, to heal the wounds of other people in our lives. We don't have enough love to bring back the dead. And we don't have enough love to bring about peace on earth. And we never have. And Jesus knows this, but Jesus says, but that's, that's okay because there's one who's coming. There's a Messiah 
there's a Messiah, and Jesus lets us know that he now is the one who has come. And this gap of love is going to be made up for, not by humans, but by the Lord coming to us. That God is going to finally supply the love that our hearts, that this world needs. And so then we, we discover that all along what we thought we were running up against, we thought that it was a wall, but when we take a step back, we're actually running up to the cross. You see, when you, you love your neighbor and you really try to care for those in this world, eventually you're going to run into the cross. You're going to run into the hardness of your own heart and need forgiveness You're going to encounter situations that that just need the Holy Spirit to blow open mercy into them. You're going to come across the powers, the strength of death. And you're going to come across the reality of human violence. Again, to love your neighbor is finally to encounter the cross. And on that cross, we discover that there is the one. That there is Jesus himself, the chosen one, the Messiah, and he is on that cross for us. And so when we we come and our hearts are heavy and we just don't have the joy anymore, we just don't have the love anymore, we, we give that over to Christ and he is the one who's strong enough to carry us. And when we, we come and we, we just don't know what to do anymore and we're at our wit's end with the people that we love and we just can't make it work, we, we discover the, the patience, the patience to endure this, to endure this cross while the Holy Spirit brings the reconciling love that we need. And when we are grieving there, when we're grieving the death of our loved ones and we just feel that that emptiness inside of us that we we realize that our redeemer is there on the cross letting us know that that even death has been defeated and that our loved ones are in his care and they are waiting for us to join him and everyone else at the banquet and finally we we look at this world that's so broken where the demonic seems on the loose and infecting again and again human hearts and we we realize that in this one we behold on the cross is the one who will yet bring about the peace that passes all understanding and so this is why this is why we teach our children to pray Because if you're going to be a disciple and you're going to to seek to, to love your neighbor, you're going to need to pray, your will be done, Lord. You're going to need to pray, forgive, forgive me and give me strength to forgive others. You're going to need to pray, I need my daily sustenance and and I need to not be led to temptation. And then ultimately to end, to say that, The kingdom and the power and the glory are not because I got it right. The kingdom and the power and the glory are not because you or we all finally got our collective acts together. But the kingdom and the power and the glory are finally a gift. A gift from God that comes to us and breaks in and will one day reign complete. And so this Reformation Sunday, here then, what I have What I have in all pastors have sought and been called to proclaim to you, and that is the good news, that apart from the works of the law, apart from the amount of love that we have in our own hearts, God has come into this world. And yes, Jesus Christ has died, but but you see, love in Jesus will always win, and the grave cannot contain him. Love, again, will defeat death, has defeated death in Jesus, and so he stands over the grave And all this he has done. 
all this he has done, that you might belong to him and live under him in blessedness, innocence, and righteousness all the days of your life and into eternity. Thanks be to God. Amen.